Hey, this is Jermaine Johnson. You're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, where right now you can go and get a 100% deposit bonus up to $100 with promo code ROSTER at Underdog Fantasy, a bunch of new cool contests popping up uh, right after the NFL Draft, which we're here to discuss right now, of course, with our man, you know him well, all the Roster Watch Nation knows this Roster Watch OG but no longer with Roster Watch. He's now the senior manager for research and analytics for NFL's Next Gen Stats. He's the architect of the Next Gen Stats draft model. Uh, he's had a couple of articles on NFL.com in the last couple of weeks that can't miss prospects from the draft, the day two standouts, and coming out today, Wednesday, before the NFL draft, uh, the day three gems. His final mock draft, which we'll be, be discussing today, can be found at rosterwatch.com and his cheat sheet can be found on Twitter tomorrow morning. A very helpful cheat sheet for your mock draft. So he is, of course, Mike Band. Find him on Twitter at mbandnfl. Band, what, what the hell is going on, brother? Alex, great to be back. Great to see you. Great to be almost, uh, you know, from the time we're recording this, 36 hours out from the draft. Uh, I can't recall how many years we've been doing our top 10 mock draft preview podcast so uh, i'm just glad we are continuing the tradition and we get to talk through it all again today it's the meeting of the minds it's it's a it's a tradition like no other um and you know it Ben and i do this because we we love doing the mock drafts and we of course submit our mock drafts for judging in the huddle report competition which takes the mock drafts of all the biggest uh, industry experts and analysts in the draft space and compiles them, scores them and keeps receipts and band. I mean, I'm looking here at the five year average. So there's the 133 people that were in this thing last year. Uh, you're currently over the course of the last five years, you're in, you're in 12th place. As far as your average, you're also a one-time champion of the event. Looking at me uh, out of the 133, I'm currently last five years in 26th place but I'm about to have my worst draft of the last five years fall off, which is, which is going to, uh, I'm not sure uh, five years ago, whatever draft, I guess the 2017 draft, um, I guess was a bad one for me. So when that falls off, hopefully it'll be a better one this year and I'll be moving up the standings, but that'll all depend on whether we get this top 10, right? Because here's the fact of the matter. If, if you don't get the top 10, right, things can go, or if you don't get it right, just right from the start and get a good idea of how things flow, Things can go really haywire for the rest of this thing. So that's what we're here to discuss today. That's what we're here to talk about. Don't think there's any way better to kind of start out by just just going to the picks, man. So uh, let's start here at the very beginning, the Jacksonville Jaguars. As I'm looking at your latest cheat sheet here, you basically only have three players that you're in consideration. It's the same players that most of us 
having consideration. It's the, probably the same players that the Jaguars are considering. You have the narrative out there that Doug Peterson is really in to the offensive lineman, Ike uh, uh, Um, You have the narrative that Trent Baalke is just so in love with the tools and the length and the arms length and the Alden Smith kind of nature of a guy like Trevon Walker. And then you have ownership, Shad Khan and his son, thinking that Aiden Hutchinson should be the pick. What do you think here? Where do you think it goes? What are you tracking on DraftKings or any other sites as far as the odds here? Because I looked this morning as I was doing it. I've been sort of going back and forth. And I just see that, you know, for the for the draft position as far as the, the number one overall pick, uh, Trevon Walker is now sitting as a heavy, heavy favorite at minus 250 with the nearest competition being Aiden Hutchinson at plus 250. Yeah, uh, the odds have completely swung as in terms of odds tracking. So what has been a nice uh, recent development in – well, first I'll give you my answer. I think the Jaguars are going to take Trayvon Walker. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons for it. I think there's still discussions happening. Or really there was discussions happening until probably early this week. Uh, my guess is, and as of the taping of this podcast, according to Ian Rappaport, the, uh, the Jaguars just – uh, ex- gave a big contract extension to Cam Robinson, who they franchise tagged. So they gave him 54 years over three. Uh, that comes out to 18 a year. Do you end up taking a right tackle uh, after at number one overall after you just paid uh, Cam Robinson, who really, uh, you know, it's anyone's uh, scouting report on whether or not you think he's worth that money. But nevertheless, be- with that decision for the offensive tackle today of all days to extend him, that's to me, it. Yep. To me, that tells me the front office has made their decision there. They've made their decision on defense. Now, why are we saying Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson? If you take the consensus big board, this doesn't make sense, but it does if you look at the scheme they're trying to employ. They're bringing a 3-4 defense to Jacksonville. They are looking for multiple guys, guys who can play outside, guys who can play inside, guys who can stand up and play uh, rover. The idea of... Uh, of, 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 of having an attacking defense like that versus with Trayvon Walker uh, is really more of about scheme fit and where you project Trayvon Walker to be in a few years as he is significantly more uh, of a, the projection player versus what you've already seen on tape. Yeah, and, and just the, the whole th- – so um, wasn't Cam Robinson set to be franchised for this? Was he set to be franchised? I mean, maybe he was for the, he was the second time. So, so he was yeah. tagged, right? So for the second so, time, that's true. So basically, uh, yeah. I mean, with with the with that bit of news, I had not seen that bit of news this morning. With that bit of news, with the odds swinging, with what Mike's saying about the three four, I think that I've I, I it had been up until right now where I was just like. Man, am I even? Because if you don't get the first pick right in this thing, you're—I mean, you're—you're—you're you're, you're pretty swindled. That's hard to well, come back. Well, here, I'll, not to skip too far ahead, but what you could see is so there's almost like this flip flop that could happen at one three in the drop, you know, in the jaw dropping case that that Goodell reads Icky Iquano's name at number one. You could see the Eagles' uh, plan for when they ended up ha- uh, drafting Lane Johnson when they still had Jason Peters on the roster, and then they brought in Andre Dillard when they still had Peters and Lane Johnson on the roster. If you are looking to build out your offense for the future, 
you might be looking to book in both the left and right tackle. Now they drafted Juwan Taylor two, a couple yeah. of years ago. They drafted, uh, you know, they they still have. Uh, You're a Florida guy. What do you think about Taylor? I mean, what do you think about Taylor? Uh, the whole offensive line just hasn't played well at all. I think Juwan Taylor is a prototypical right tackle, and to me, that tells me that they feel pretty confident that they're good enough with at least for the time being Cam Robinson and Juwan Taylor at their bookends. Okay, uh, so move on to number two. To me. I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking here to me. It just feels like, okay. So new, new regime in Detroit year, year two, I think honestly, for, and we get a good feel even from these fan bases, just from our, our coverage of the draft, our coverage of fantasy, the, the fan base doesn't seem that tilted with Dan Campbell in this new regime. I think they kind of like the, they kind of like the culture a little bit that they're building. They think that there were a lot of games last year that, Maybe Detroit sh- – shit, there, there there were games last year that Detroit absolutely should have won that they didn't come away with the wins. Um, still, with that being said, I see two things that point to Aiden Hutchinson's sin to me, and I'm sure that you'll have a bunch of extra stuff. But one is that he feels like, from everything that I've read about him, he feels like an absolute culture fit for the uh, you know bite the guy's knees off, chew up the glass, spit it out, whatever kind of attitude that they're trying to instill. And two, it just feels like if I were ownership, I'd be like, "Look, he's a Michigan guy. Get the get, get, let's get the fan base fired up. This is a fan base that this is a fan base that hadn't had many wins. Like, bring bring in the hometown guy. Those are the things that I think about. Although we do hear, God, yeah, brain for Brad Holmes. Um, is it Brad Holmes? Mm-hmm. There, I, I have heard the narrative out there that he's a West Coast dude. He spent a lot of time scouting Kayvon Thibodeau, and whenever I do look at the, I mean. Maybe you can sort of tell me where you've come on this, whether Kayvon Thibodeau even came in to consideration, whether you're worried about these uh, recent – are you worried about the recent news that's come out that maybe he has personal character stuff or Look, maybe just personality yeah. stuff? Yeah. Some team is going to care and some teams aren't. So it's really about do you have the environment that can handle such a player that has such a – you know. Uh, a life outside of football. And I think you're going to see a lot more of that, you know, as it's really just the next generation of players that there's more to life than how football. Did, and how did you guys it, handle that whenever you were a scout? Well, back then, it, I mean, to, to this day, you still, there's love of ball and that's still what you look for because you, you got to love what you do and you got to love the grind and you got to love the sacrifice. That's what and the guys who, who make it in this game are the ones who work the hardest um, and have, you know, innate talent, but really let's go back to it. I think Aiden Hutchinson really is the perfect fit here. You, you nailed it on, on the head. They're a cultural organization. I think Dan Campbell is going to be a successful head coach because what a head coach really is, is they're a CEO and the CEO has to surround himself with smart people. And it seems like he's doing that uh, even from an analytics standpoint. So when you see, the idea of Aiden Hutchinson on the board, he, you don't expect him to fall. He's probably your top-ranked guy, number two in the Heisman. Nobody you know, does that as a defensive end. It's really also about scheme fit. Aaron Glenn's their defensive coordinator. They run a true 4-3 defense. You need a pass rusher. Aiden Hutchinson's from Michigan. There's just too many reasons why Hutchinson, if he's on the board, makes too much sense at two. I, I, think, that, I think that that's probably the way that I'm going to go, too. I... I do wonder about um, I do wonder about this next pick though with the Houston Texans. I have no idea where they're, where they're going to be going because is this like yeah. I mean, it, are uh, they going to really? So, 
Yeah, I, I, I've got a theory on it because you're trying to put your head, your your thinking hat on as Nick Casario. What would he do? What would, because because this is right? not because this is not an ownership or a Lovey Smith decision. This is a this is a Nick Casario decision. This is a Nick Casario decision. So this is a a, a team building theory decision, right? Mm-hmm. So last year was a true was you know you're approaching the bottom apex of your rebuild because you basically have to take on. Well, really, you have to have, you have to hit a certain salary cap floor. So they brought in all these veterans to establish new culture and establish new identity. So what do you do if you're Houston? Well, I've got this down to a couple options for what would Nick Casario do. I've got it down to Iki Aquano, Derek Stingley, and potentially Kayvon Thibodeau or Thibodeau. What about uh, Evan Neal? Uh, I don't have Evan Neal on the board there, but the dark horse there at, uh, for the Texans also is Garrett Wilson, who doesn't make sense at three. But if you talk about moving up from thirteen, you could see them take a take someone at three, and then uh, and then take move up for Garrett Wilson potentially at thirteen or even mm-hmm. Stingley. All right, so here's here's really where I'm thinking with what the Texans are thinking. Davis Mills, they're going in as their starter next season. They still have Laramie Tunsil on roster, but. There's word that they might not have Larry Laramie Tunsil on roster beyond next season. So Titus you, Howard is a fifth year option coming up next year. I that think. is right. Yeah. yeah, and 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 even so, if you're drafting Icky, you're you're going to play him on left tackle and move Tunsil. So if you, if you talk about what is the prototype of what a Nick Casario fit is for his team, there's you know he he's. He's, he, he says a lot more than Belichick ever did about what he looks for. So, you know, they're, they hit all their the size requirements. They're athletic enough. They're smart enough. They're good team culture fits. They're leaders. They, you know, there's almost this checkbox. And that sort of draft theory is very much in line with the old Belichickian. There's only 80 guys we draft on this board and we'll trade out of the pick if there's no one on the board. I keep going back and around to this, and the idea being is that Iki Iquanu, from the standpoint of he was a had Ivy League offers out of out of college. Mm-hmm. he's Nigerian born, where both of his parents were were college star athletes. His mm-hmm. mom was a track and field star. His dad a six six basketball player. His his brother's a linebacker for uh, Notre Dame. When you look at just mean, all mean, of physical, the boxes, and he can move. He's mean. He's physical, and he can move, which is are all things with the patriot. Like it's the coming from it's the, the patriot way. So Iki Aquanu to me, I, I think Trayvon Walker might be the impact player that they would look at if mm-hmm. he's on the board, right? Say Iki magically goes one, and Trayvon Walker is available. I think he would be the pick. Then I've got Iki. Then I've got Derek Stingley. Let me say why now the case could be for Derek Stingley. Derek, the the Patriots and the Texans and everybody of, are really going to be one of those. Their fall grades are going to be sticky, and so when your fall grades are sticky, that means that when you have a one one or one one five grade or even a one one nine grade as a what box does that mean? player. So a one one five is uh, that this is in Blesto scouting terms. The lower the grade, the better. One one is a high first round pick. One two you can sort of equate to second pick. One three third round pick. That's the rough scout, uh, scoring mm-hmm. methodology. But when you end that number in a one one nine, that means you have some concerns. There are some character concerns, durability concerns. You add another nine if you think he's not draftable. 
So Stingley could be there at a 1-1-9, and he might still be the top player on your board at where you see, okay, this whole league's going into a, a speed and vertical offense. I might need that star cover corner. I, I, I watched Stingley's tape. I've been in love with him for three seasons since his freshman year. I might still have Stingley rated as my number three player on the board. The Texans could still go Stingley at three. I'm going to book it as icky. I think I'm going to go with the Patriot way at three. What are your thoughts with all that said? I mean, my, th- that's, that's how I had it too. I, I thought, I thought kind of before I went, really went back and really watched, watched Ikuanu and I, I watched, I watched some of Evan Neal. I said, well, I just thought to myself, what is it that these guys want? Because you know that Casario, he, come, he learned from Belichick. Belichick has such a great connection with Sabe, and they go back to Alabama for all these players. I mean, Belichick, you've been to these Bama Pro Days. Like, Belichick works out these guys at Bama Pro Days. Like, he goes down there and he does the, like, he does the defensive mm-hmm. line drills with them and stuff. So, I just I, – I know that Casario probably would have his eye out for that kind of player. But the more and more I thought about Iquanu and just sort of what he uh, – you know what he what he would. This is a team. They they got it. This is the AFC South, man. They got to get the they got to get the run going. You know, I mean, you you look around. You look around. The, you I mean, you got to you got you got to match up game scripts with, with these other teams. You can't always be playing from behind with some pass protector specialist you, like kind of guy. You need a guy that's going to get in there and move some dudes. Plus, he's got some versatility to play guard. So, may I mean, who knows if if you want to mix and match with Tunsil and Titus Howard and get him involved within the first year in some kind of way, there's versatility. There was ways to be doing it. I didn't know about the Ivy league offers, you know, but that kind of, that falls into it with me. The only concern that I have is that when I look on DK, Derek Stingley's plus 200 be this pick. Whereas, whereas Iquan is plus 350. And it was actually, you know, that number was 270. I mean, I'll go through the odds because I've been tracking these stuff. So the odds have moved pretty significantly in favor of Stingley. So what I'm actually going to do for the sake of my final mock draft is probably slate Stingley down at 13. Uh, to because that way you get the that way you get the points for right. The so right. so here's here's what I've heard about Stingley in that some teams don't won't even draft him um, really because there's this off field stuff where it's not about. Uh, it's really comes down to, to the kid's character and, and attitude. And I hate to dog any player. I don't, I haven't really done my own true background research, but I will say this Stingley does will concern teams based off of what I'm hearing about his work ethic off the field. When you put on the tape on the field, when you put on the, uh, from his freshman season, you could be stand out and say, Hey, if I can train this guy or if I bring him in their system, we can coach him up and he can develop into an, uh, into a good player. Now, I, I I'm 30, you know, 32 years old, not to date myself, but but the whole point of of a 20 21 year old is that they're going to mature, right? I remember being in the building when when Randy Gregory just missed his flight to Minnesota and didn't tell anybody, right? Randy Gregory was an immature kid when I met him. Randy Gregory's developed into a nice solid football player and a good and a good young human being. So I there's a lot of times where I where teams even will give the benefit of the doubt to players. And if they feel that these guys have dog in them and that, you know, they're just waiting to get to the show. And once they get there, they're you know, they're going to turn into a playmaker. I'm still torn about what I'm going to do in the final mock because the odds are certainly going to drive it. Stingley or Icky at three. Right now, I'm going to pencil in Icky uh, and, and 
you know, move on to pick four. Your thoughts? Yeah, that's, uh, I think it's what I'm going to do too. I think it's what I'm going to do too. As of now, unless we, you know, I mean, there could be, there could be bombs dropped. They're like, Hey, the lovey thinks he needs more corners and they're going with Stingley. So, I mean, so, but yeah, I think unless we get a really, really, really solid signal on that, I think that Icky is going to be the, going to be the, um, going to be the play there. Let's move on to the jets. So in this scenario, all those guys are off the board. Um, look, man, they're, we were talking about it off camera. Why don't you talk about your theories about Kayvon Thibodeau versus the, all the Jermaine Johnson talk? Just for my end, on the Jermaine Johnson talk, I'll keep it really quick. I think he's awesome. I think he's one of the best prospects that I've seen in the Senior Bowl. He's a Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald type of dominant force who can stop the run and who can get after the passer with some length and some bend. And it's just like – He's amazing. Um, and, and when I look, and and when I look Joe, at the, with uh, the Jets, with, yeah. I was going to say with the Jets, Joe Douglas brings in Phil exactly. Savage, who's a senior exactly. bowl guy. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway. Just, no, that's pause. exact. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there because really I wanted to validate that point. Joe Douglas, senior bowl guy, brought in Phil Savage, senior bowl guy. So you could see uh, the upside there of why their edge board would could, could potentially be Jermaine Johnson over Thibodeau. So Thibodeau is an interesting character study because really he's going to be a good test of, uh, of this new age player who's going to come out with more money in their pocket than they ever had before with the oh, NIL, NIL. Yeah. right? And so you've got a player who really is probably taking, uh, who cares about his image and, and so forth. And if you're the Jets and you want to bring him to New York, you're probably a little bit concerned. You probably want to bring in an, a football player. That's what Joe Douglas and Phil Savage are. They're old school scouts. So when you look at it, they're, they're you know, uh, to me, the board for, for, the, for the Jets looks like Icky, if he's there, simply because Becton uh, from all redu- from, what from is, what reports. Is, no, why is there all this neat, worry about Becton? Like, it could so be good. an injury thing. Oh. It, it could. So he's probably staying away from the building because he's worried about his, you know, medical checks and, and things like that. I'm not, I, I don't want to speculate there. Uh, or I don't want to to say that that's anything but speculation, Uh, but Icky from a standpoint of what the tools they're looking for and what they want to do to protect Zach Wilson. That's number one, right? Zach Wilson is a guy who will probably be on the longest in terms of average time to throw according to next gen stats. So that means protection on the on, on, on the bookends is as important as ever. Well, if you can admit to missing on Becton, uh, Icky Aquana is probably the, the, has all the traits you look for there. So if you're, you know, if you are following us to, to sprinkle the idea of Icky probably not getting past four is, is fairly safe. Now, going back to your idea of Jermaine Johnson over Kayvon, this is again, scheme fit and identity. So when you look at what Sala and co want to do is they're going to attack you with, you know, go for I it. didn't even think about salt, like the whole thing with Sala and that 49ers defense and the kind of, and the kind of run, the run stuffing edge guys, that he that he needs to that he needs to build that group to a championship level. It's, it's like I'm, yeah. t- I'm I'm talking myself more and more into Jermaine Johnson, and maybe it's just because I love him so much. But uh, like, but here's the thing: the the what's his name? The the writer from the Athletic talked about it. There was a uh, oh man who didn't Mike Garofalo or somebody tweet he's going to go earlier than Dane Brugler tweeted he's going to go earlier than people expect, maybe even as high as four. Well, I'll so tell you there's this. some buzz yeah. out there. I'll tell you this: I I feel like and not to call the Jets out for being, uh, you know, for 
for really being fairly transparent. I'm not going to call it transparent, but they've been fairly predictable, right? There have been reporters call out that they trade up for Vera Tucker last year. Yep. Um, you know, there was a, there was word that they loved Becton. So there's a lot of potential for if, hey, if someone in the organization is talking, it probably could be true. Um, so we, are you going to go with Jermaine Johnson or are you going to go with Kayvon? Oh, I know. Uh, you've got my mock in front of you. I'm going uh, for, the, for the moment, Jermaine Johnson at four to the Jets. Oh, I do have your mock in front. Sorry, I, I had your cheat sheet. <laughs> um, okay, let's go cheat to the next. Yeah. Let's, 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 stay in, uh, let's stay in New York and go to the Giants. And for me, I'll just give you my thoughts here. It's, I, I've, I feel like if we've gotten to this point and, the, and there's no cornerback off of the board, which is, which is in this scenario it has – then they know that with their holding the pick after Carolina, I don't think Carolina is going to go corner anyway. So if they, if, and we can talk about that whenever we get to them. Well, after they but, took JC Horn last year in the first, they're going they, to take another. And they, and they traded for CJ Henderson. And they traded for CJ Henderson. So, so yeah, they're, well, and to get, to get through it, this is the first time that you could probably see, envision a team could move up, right? The Giants have, mm-hmm. Really, they're probably going to take a tackle at five, and, and I'll let you, I'll, and I'll tee you up there. Okay. Well, I mean, tackle at five, corner, corner at seven. Whether it's Stingley or whether it's Sauce Gardner, your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. I think it is. It's really about getting the tackle order right for the Giants. So there are a bunch of different reports from you know McShay, Breer, uh, King, and so forth. Michael really, Lombardi says that Michael Lombardi knows, and he says that the Giants love Charles Cross. They love and so that's Cross. kind of what I'm going with. And the idea, the concept of a team having a different tackle board than another team is perfectly normal, right? Oh, we see yeah. it all the time. We see this musical chairs of tackle fits in the first 15 picks every single year and trying to identify what they might like and what they might fit or is going to be a mix of one need, right? What's, what's your type and, or, or where are your holes? What, positions are these guys playing in college for them to fit on your, uh, you know, on, and, and where can they play? And then three, do they have the tools to fit your scheme? So when you look at what Evan Neal does versus what Charles Cross does, they're sort of a little bit, uh, a little bit, you know, you, you sort of have Evan Neal who might be a right tackle, right guard. And then you've got Cross with, with tackle versatility. I think that they go with the more, with the younger, more athletic Charles Cross, I'm not exactly sure why Evan Neal, uh, you know, I might have Evan Neal ranked higher, but again, if the Giants have cross five, cross might be the guy. I've got an icky cross and then Neal for the Giants O-tackle big board. And, and there have been, and I don't know, like we said, we don't, we don't want to speculate or we want to just say that this is speculation, but there has been buzz out there that Evan Neal's medicals might've been, a, there could have been speculation maybe something that popped up there. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I do want to just note a, a tweet from uh, Duke Merriweather, I believe his name is, or Duke, Duke, uh, Duke, Duke Manningweather. Manningweather. Uh, forgive me. So the, the, I read this this morning, actually, the, he, he was not a medical recheck at the combine. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it might've been a report that came out. I, I you know, there you definitely and heard the reports, though, right? There, it, it was floating around out there that there was something up with Evan Neal's medicals. Sure, and, and the reports are out there. Uh, there's not, there's nothing confirmed by a big source yet on Evan Neal's slide. So I would simply say that Evan Neal's still a top nine player, um, and whether or not 
the Giants rate him higher than Cross? I'm going to say no, and other teams probably would say yes. Well, so we move on to the Panthers next, uh, kind of sandwiched in between these two Giants picks. And clearly what they want to do is trade down. I mean, I, I was reading the uh, the Athletics mock draft, and the guy who was drafting for them, their, their great reporter, Joe Person, you know, he was just doing everything he could just to trade out of this pick. And he said that's what Fitterer is going to be doing as well. Um, and if it falls like this, it's probably not the worst for them, though, because it feels to me like this is a kind of maybe a run up the card for Evan Neal kind of situation. I'd be interested to hear from you whether you think that that's the case, whether you think a coach like Matt Rule, who's kind of under the gun here, whether even taking a new – does taking a rookie quarterback even help him? Do you think that buys him extra time to say, hey, man, I'm, like, I need another year or two to develop this guy. You can't judge me on this one year. What do you think about – I mean, that's certainly not what we saw to like Matt Nagy whenever they, they took Justin Fields and stuff. Um, right. What what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Could they go quarterback or do you think it's just – man, they have a lot of pieces that they need to get right. Maybe take an offensive tackle, then maybe see if you can get Jimmy G or you know, Baker or somebody right. else who's, yeah. who's, who's out there. And I think Baker might be the one who that they go after. Uh, and that's just purely speculation about fit and what they want to do. But really – I think the Panthers are not in the quarterback market at six. I think trade down is priority one and tackle is priority two. So what you are looking for is what is the timing of what, of the moves that Carolina is trying to make. Scott Fitter comes from Seattle's organization at six without many picks. I think he's, you know, I think that they're sitting with one pick in the next, uh, don't quote me on that until I actually look it up, but Hold on. Uh, how many more picks for who? Uh, Carolina has. So they have they have the number six pick. Then they Jesus, who do they pick pick, again? They don't pick again until the fifth, fourth round, one thirty-seven. The one thirty, yep, one thirty-seven. So the concept of not picking between rounds two, three, rounds two and three, or really between six and and one hundred and thirties, is puts them completely in the uh, in the mix to trade down. Now, who would trade up? could be your best friends in Seattle. Uh, oh. It could simply be, hey, Evan Neal's still on the board for Seattle. They go move up for, uh, and take you know, their tackle who, you know, they're in the edge tackle world. Uh, it mm-hmm. could be Houston moves up for Derek Stingley. Could be Houston moves up for Garrett Wilson. Um, because, you know, you, there's, there's been they rumors about uh, the Giants and the Giants. There's been very yeah. small whispers about Garrett Wilson at seven of the Giants. So, their number one priority is going to be Evan Neal. I think, or excuse me, trade down. I still think if they stay, it's Evan Neal. And I think if someone trades up, it's, it could be for Evan Neal. Uh, it could be for, for Derek Singley. It could also be for, uh, for Sauce Gardner to jump the Giants at seven. Your thoughts? We don't get our, we don't get any points. I, I, this always feels like a swindle, but we don't get double points for getting the pick and the player right. It's just the team and the player. Correct. Correct. So if I, so if I put, if I put Stingley here to these guys, it would only – and somebody traded up for Stingley, I wouldn't get two points. I would just get the one point for the getting the player, right? Right. right. All right. Um, I think it's Evan Neal. I don't think anybody's going to trade up to six. I mean, don't, I don't think anybody's trading up to six. I don't think anybody's trading up. I think it's going to be Evan Neal. Yep. Um, and, 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 well, and just to, just to put the, the bow on that one is really the only trades that in recent memory when you do move up, you have to give up a lot to move into those top, you know, really move into those top eight picks. 
those trades typically only happen, not only, but they typically happen for quarterbacks or they're only to move up two or three picks. So it's only to jump somebody because the price to pay is significantly high. Would anybody jump up for, for Kayvon Thibodeau to get ahead of the Giants in this situation if they went offensive line first? You have I mean, to I'm just, I'm just well, projecting you, you, the offensive. I'm just projecting with Bradbury likely to be gone. I just, you know, and every, every, these teams just love Gardner so much. Like I just thought you go tackle and you go corner. And that's the kind of the kind of the plan. Um, I wonder if somebody might trade up to get ahead of them thinking possibly they could go edge. I mean, the, the Giants have so many needs. They would they could probably take the best player on the. Would they take the best player on the board? Or I mean, I well, mean, edge, so, yeah. edge and corner are both pre- premier positions. At that point, you just de- de- default to the bigger need. You know, I, so here, let me tell you why I don't th- actually think the Giants are going to take an edge at five or seven. And and I could be very much, I could be wrong. They still could take uh, Jermaine Johnson or, or even Thibodeau if he's there at, at seven. But the Bills, their their defense last over the last few seasons have not played any defensive linemen over 60% of snaps. They are an eight-man rotation. They are, they, the theory is that you build a, a depth so that you, these defensive linemen are playing 20, 30 snaps a game rather than 40, 50. That's how you get to quarterbacks in the fourth quarter when you have fresher legs and, uh, to rush the passer. So when you look at what, you know, you could, you, if Thibodeau is still there, I could see them still taking Sauce Gardner especially with James Bradbury still on the block there or likely to be moved. You're now in a league where you've got to match up with CD lamb. You've got to match up really with, you know, the rest of the league, especially uh, Washington and, and Philly who are all tooling in, in terms of uh, uh, receivers, you need to have that premier corner on the outside. They tried to do it last year with Bradbury. They could do it again with sauce Gardner at seven. Uh, just a, a quick reminder to everybody out there, go to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code roster for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. They still have the super flex drafts going on right now. They have the rookies and sophomores drafts, but coming up is going to be the big million dollar contest. They're going to have a big announcement for this next week. You guys want to get in there. You want to be firing on it because once these rookies have NFL landing spots, this is the time to really hammer the value. So go to underdog fantasy right now. It's best ball. You don't have to set your lineups. You don't have to make trades. You don't have to do anything like that. You draft, you have the fun of having the draft. You can be done in 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden you have an entry. You can follow all next year uh, for your big sweat for the $1 million. So underdog fantasy promo code roster. All right, band had to slip that in. Let's get to the, so we talked about, so we talked about the giants pick and we, I mean, we're back to it now. Seven. I mean, is it Sauce Gardner? Is it Derek Stingley? What do you think? Um, what do you think here? I, is does I wonder. So it looks like for the number seven pick, Sauce Gardner and yeah, it's Gardner and Stingley at plus two fifty and plus three fifty. I'd be interested to see if you've been have you been tracking those movements as far as number six. Is that one that you, is 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 that one that did you have scraped? So I have not been tracking the number seven pick because that. Uh, I'm sorry, really- the number seven pick. Okay. Yeah, they they haven't. Uh, I've been tracking the top five. The six, seven, eight, nine, and ten have only been available as of a few 
days. Okay. So there hasn't been very major line movement, right? Okay. So plus so, two fifty, and then is Gardner plus three fifty is Stingley. Other than so that, so the concept, right? So the concept being is that they're looking at a tackle in a corner. Mm-hmm. You've got the Buffalo Bills mentality, right? They've got a, they they know what it's like to have a shutdown corner in Tre'Davious White. So what do you do? You go out and get the tall, longest, fastest, best man cover, press man cover in the draft, and and, and I, th- you know, in my opinion, I think he comes with a lot less baggage than Derek Stingley to put him in that number one spot for me. Uh, what are the Giants doing? Well, I, I just sort of laid out the idea of that the defensive line is a rotation and they're probably looking to add more second and third round guys versus a first round guy uh, based off of how much they play. So, yes, I am going to go likely with Sauce Gardner at seven with the very small chance that the Giants are thinking about Garrett Wilson at seven. Now that those rumors you could keep, simply you you keep coming back to that. It's wild. That, the, it's it, it's it's because, because it's is it because they want to trade Kadarius? It's because they want to trade Kadarius or what? Like? Kadarius is on the block. Darius Slayton's on the block. You look at what happened when those when those receivers got hurt last year and they had nobody. What is Garrett Wilson? What is Garrett Wilson's best player comp? It's borderline Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Oh man, Garrett, dude. He 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 would be a star up in the Big Apple, dude. He'd be their next Odell Beckham. That'd be cool. Um, a good old, a good old Lake, a good old Lake Travis boy. Hopefully, he would do better in his new city than Baker Mayfield did. Um, all right, on to the on to the next one here, and we get to the Atlanta Falcons, who we just mentioned. And this, to me, band, this might be where you and I possibly begin to differ, because to me, I thought that this was the Garrett, maybe the Garrett Wilson spot. Just because I know that whenever you're a team like you're a team like the 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 Falcons right now, you have so many needs. You're not going to be good this year. You know, you just you're just not. You've lost your quarterback. You you don't really have that many good players at any real position. Um, but the wide receiver room is the probably the worst in the league. And I'm interested to hear from you. Just I mean, wide receiver is a premier position. And when your board is stacked, the best player available at this best player available at this point could be one of the wide receivers. It could be a Drake London. It could be a Garrett Wilson. To me, I would be, I would consider Chris Olave up there, who I you know who I've, I've ranked probably significantly higher than, than than most. But in this scenario, Kayvon Thibodeau is also still on the board, and. That's the I mean, that's the thing. It's like he's – I mean, I don't care what you say. But I don't care. Like, at some point, you just got to say, well, I mean, this guy's an ass kicker, and he's and he's good. He's got bend for – like, look at his ankles and his hips and his flexibility. Like, he, he's got bend for days. I mean, he's good. So – He's I a mean, shinier – I mean, well, you know, he's a shinier Marcus Davenport, if, if – and that's the trait that uh, that Terry Fontenot and team and company traded for in, in New Orleans. So, look, the, the traits are certainly there for the discussion. Right now, it comes down to need versus best player available, or whether or not you can put up with with Thibodeau's, you know, uh, whatever, whatever you, his you personality know, quirks, or whatever you know. And they're going to have way more background and psych testing mm. results than we are for sure. But uh, it, really, this comes down to okay, the the line right now is minus one twenty for the for the Falcons to take a receiver. Quarterbacks at plus three hundred. I think that's just more of a. Uh, the market's inflating that number. I don't think they, they took a quarterback at eight, but it's certainly possible. I, I wouldn't rule out Malik Willis at some, uh, you know, at eight if they want to. Their next uh, Mike Vick. Well, it's the next <laughs> Mike Vick, but but few people know that Marcus Mari- Mariota is probably one of the most athletic 
quarterbacks that nobody talks about. When you talk about what is yeah. what he did with tra- on tracking data, you know, it's it's Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones somehow, and you know, and and Marcus yeah. Mariota. So yeah. so really, the 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 concept of quarterbacks not out of the question, but I, it will be for this moment. What if if it is receiver? Uh, well, first off, edge. The reason why edge could be 350 is that the idea of the probability Thibodeau being there is not being fun. there. Yeah. Right. So if he's there, now you got to say, okay, would the odds be higher? And the answer mm-hmm. would be probably yes. So undoubtedly, what, yes. If, that, yes, if this right. scenario was laid out to the bookmaker. Yeah. So what it comes down to is we've heard reports from Charles Robinson and a couple other reporters out there that the Falcons reportedly love Drake London. Why is this uh, important? Well, because you look at what Arthur Smith looks for. He, he likes size and speed, size, speed combination. It's their Corey Davis. It's the, you know, the, the concept of, uh, of winning uh, in contested catches and winning, AJ with, Brown. you know, just, just a bigger bodied yeah. uh, and Drake London's, you know, I, I saw him play in person a few times. He's more than just a, a contested catch guy. He's got some speed. He's got some juice. He's got he can he can work all levels. I really like his his uh, you know how he can separate even on just hitch routes. He's got a little bit of Mike Williams to him. And in that case, if you're Atlanta and you're trying to build around, well, you, one you, only they know what they want to do with Calvin Ridley beyond next season. But two, if you want to bring in Garrett Wilson, I you know it, it, it that. It, I'm walking in circles when I'm, I'm saying this pick, but right now my my big board for the Falcons looks like Drake London, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then Garrett Wilson. I think it's going to be one of those three. I'm currently leaning to Drake London as that sneaky pick that simply fits the scheme and matches the buzz I'm hearing. At this point, we get to the uh, Seattle Seahawks, so we're at the pick nine. So we're coming up to the end here. We'll have the 10th pick with the Jets getting their uh, their, their their second go with this thing. So you think that offensive tackle is going to be uh, a definite way that these guys look in the post-Russell Wilson era? If they are on the board. If they're on the board. You you think they'll trade down? So they're definitely a trade-down candidate, but I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Let's say that uh, that Icky, Who is the trade-up for? Sting, Stingley? So uh, Seattle could trade. Uh, it could be Stingley. It could be uh, the Chargers who want to move up. So here's the name I'm going to throw around out there for the dark horse nine overall, ninth overall pick, and that's Trevor Penning. From oh, I love that. I love that. And why? Hey, is it- hey, hey, hey see, Seahawks, Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. Three, absolutely yeah, everything dude. checks yeah. that box. Yeah, so, dude. Now, do you have, I bet they're talking about it right now, do you have Trevor Penning on your board ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? If Thibodeau is on the board at this po- in that, at this spot. There's been rumors for months that Thibodeau's could fall to the back half of the top 10. Daniel Jeremiah, it, Daniel Jeremiah says that his absolute ending point is at, at, is at nine, which makes me think, his slide won't last past nine, which makes me think that he probably talked to Schneider and Schneider said if he's there, we're taking him. That seems to be my guess as well, just because you've right uh, there. You scouted him. So you're right there in the neighborhood. You, you, yeah. You're right there in the neighborhood. You're probably the one of the teams that probably checks him out and says, "Hey, we're, we can live with him. He's gonna, you know, he's fine." He, he, he. he I'm not gonna go into that side of it. What I will go into the side of is 
look, they could absolutely take Charles Cross if he's there. They could absolutely take Evan Neal if he's there. They're, you know, building a, ta- a freaky tackle uh, with the, with both are, are athletic specimens. Trevor Penning, if he's there as well, could also be the pick. I wonder if... Who could trade up? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... No, mean to no, 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 no. You're, you're, you, you teed me up to exactly... You're finishing could, my thoughts right now. Okay. The Saints and the Chargers are the two teams that are probably most in, in need of a right ta- of a of a tackle in Trevor Penning. The Chargers are probably uh, you know don't have nearly as much draft capital as the Saints do. The Saints clearly traded up for 15, you know 15 and 19. So when you talk about teams moving up uh, what are your thoughts on Seattle based off of Cross, Neal, they're off the board, Thibodeau Penning. Yeah, I, on the board. if I were if I were Schneider I'd say like I, I mean I, I would be in love with pinning, but I would say, man, is there any way that I could get any of these? Is there any way that I can get a team like the Texans or somebody to trade up and come get Kayvon Thibodeau from me and then pit, have pinning fall to me at pick whatever, pick 13, you know, what, something so, like that. So I will I will just say this. The likelihood that a team trades up to take Trevor Penning is way more probable than a team trading down to take Penning later. And the reason is, is because you've got to look at what the board looks like at the position. The drop off after four is going to be potentially you've got Tyler Smith, you know, f- the, the, the Raymonds, the, f- the Lays, or however mm-hmm. you say his name. The, across the board, you, you know, you've got and really if you see Zion Johnson, you, you could play tackle. Yeah. And that's who, you know, to sneak this one in there could go to the Chargers at at 17 if they don't move up for penning penning is the one who could go nine to the seahawks he could go 14 to the ravens who are also in the exact same boat they've got the same decision between Mm -hmm. jordan davis and trevor penning right so you've sort of got these sort of uh you, you you and i've both seen these teams every year at the senior bowl they're always there. They always love their guys. Mm-hmm. Seattle, Baltimore, New Orleans, and the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys in the Trevor Penning run. If Thibodeau's on the board at nine, I've got the Seahawks taking him there. That's going to be a hard one for me, man, between him and him and Thibodeau. That's going to be hard for me. And, you know, what? it's going to be hard for the Jets with the next pick here, of course, uh, pick 10. Of course, we're here with Mike Band. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at mbandnfl. Uh, he'll be tweeting out his cheat sheet tomorrow. Um, he's got all the articles up, what the can't miss prospects, the day two standouts and the day three gyms, which will come out today. You can search for those. You can probably just type in NFL.com and type those things in Google. They'll come right up. He's the senior manager uh, for research and analytics at next gen sports, a roster watch OG, man. He's like family to us. I, we've, we've, we've known band now for well over a Jesus, man. It's been over a over a decade I've known you I've known your ass dude it's crazy 2000 um, and 2012 senior bowl I believe I yeah I think that's I think that's where we met that was the Russell yeah. Wilson year the Russell Wilson year that's um right. okay so number 10 if Thibodeau falls to here they're gonna be they might be tilted that they took Jermaine Johnson at four you think or I mean oh no but uh well sure but I think you know, you've got uh, 
a little bit of overconfidence bias in your estimation that you did the scouting and you ranked your man Johnson higher and the fact that Thibodeau fell to 10 just only validated the that idea that you passed on him at four. Fair enough. Yeah. No, that's that's the mind of a former scout coming into this. How did, <laughs> you guys you guys have to do a lot you guys have to do a you know, lot of justification and stuff for some of the picks you trained <laughs> also trained in uh, as a novice uh, behavioral psychologist you could say to have to identify all the biases that the scouts also have. No, I think I think you're exactly, you know, the, the Jets are in a very interesting place here. And this is where uh, you could see the 49ers come on the clock. Uh, oh, the, the Debo up. trade. Could that the be Debo the trade? Could that be the blockbuster trade that shocks the airwaves? Debo Samuel being traded while the Jets are on the clock at number 10 and the Niners trade into the spot. Ideally, to take Garrett Wilson, who sort of fits the mold of what they, you know, a runner for the catch, speed guy. That could be the one that that shocks everybody where they move 10, 35 into next year's two for for Debo. I've heard Elijah Moore be talked about as thrown around in their second-round pick last year. That's what I'm considering doing, but for the sake of the mock, Garrett Wilson 10 to the the Jets. I do want – to consider the idea of Jamison Williams at 10, um, you know, for the sake of the speed thing. But what, from what I'm hearing, Jamison Williams will likely start next year on the pup list. That means he will not be active for the first six games, meaning that if you are a team that's going to draft Jamison Williams, you really have to be thinking about the future and, and not thinking about now. Um, the Jets are sort of in this retooling mode where they're probably trying to reach that apex and try to, you know, field a, a more competent team especially when you have four picks in the top 38. So this is where I've got Garrett Wilson slotted, but if they make a move from Depot, it would not surprise me.